Thank you so much, Jenny. Good evening, everyone. Good to be with you. Uh, so yes, as Simon said, we are uh, lingering a bit longer uh, in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And it's uh, part of his teaching that gives us so many riches uh, in a short uh, space of time. Uh, it gives us the Beatitudes. You might have heard of those. Uh, they sum up uh, what it means to live as a child of God's kingdom. Uh, they go, you know, blessed are the poor, blessed are the pure in heart, and so on. Uh, we receive the Lord's Prayer, uh, which is the blueprint, an example of how we should pray, uh, as well as the teaching that we've been looking at over the past few weeks on relationships, conflict, loving our enemies, and fasting. The whole thing sort of focuses together on how we can live a life that pleases God and what the characteristics of those who follow Jesus should be. And this sermon, when Jesus gave it, would have been a wake-up call for Christians to live for God through faith, not through simply keeping the law. Uh, and my hope um, is that this sermon, when I give it, uh, does something similar uh, by God's grace. Um, as followers of, of Christ, we live with the kingdom of God in mind. Jesus isn't giving us a list of rules to follow. He's giving us an invitation to live under grace, which is the free and unmerited favor of God, and to experience blessing from living lives that are modeled on him. And so this evening, we come to uh, another sort of, I guess, famous and maybe often quoted part of the Bible, all about treasures in heaven. Uh, so let's pray together. Yeah, we, we just pray, Father God, um, would you reveal truth and treasures from your word this evening? Would you help us to have open hearts, open ears, open minds to all that you're wanting to say to us and challenge us with? Would you be here by your Holy Spirit this evening, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, what does it mean to live our lives models on Jesus and to live with the kingdom of God in mind? Uh, well, if you were here last week, uh, you might remember that Simon pointed out that we're, we're very much conditioned for the now, aren't we? We're very much conditioned for short-term satisfaction. We don't really want to wait uh, for too much. And so it can often prove quite easy for us to lose sight of what that truly means. We might know that heaven is our ultimate destination as followers of Jesus. We might know the principles on which Jesus calls us to live our lives. But often our heads and our hearts receive the complete opposite message, don't they? Why wait for something kind of way, way off in the future or a future gratification or reward when there's so much apparent gratification and riches available to us right now. And so maybe we just think, oh, well, you know, I'll just take those instead and indulge in them. But ultimately, if we're honest, none of that stuff really satisfies. Not for very long, anyway. We can still be tempted left, right, and center by all the things that the world has to offer. And before we've even realized it sometimes, the pursuit and the preoccupation with stuff has sidelined our Savior. It's not that he's, you know, gone completely. He just kind of has a bit of a reduced stake in our priorities and our time 
but we think, oh, no, that's fine, that's okay. You know, we'll, we'll kind of we'll shift back at some point, someday, whenever. But there's always a new distraction, isn't there, that draws us away from Jesus. You know, not a single one of us can bring any of the material wealth that we have with us into eternity. What you have now won't change your circumstances when you die. And that's what Jesus was warning us about when he said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. I think one of the things that Jesus was trying to tell us is that it's not about enough. It's about contentment. You know, there will always be more. We'll always tell ourselves we need, you know, a higher salary or more holidays or more holidays for longer or, or a bigger car or whatever it might be. There will never be enough. But what Jesus wants is for us to be content in order to get the best out of life. And when I say content, it doesn't mean sort of like a, uh, you know, that's okay. Like it's like, that'll do. Like, you know, whatever. It's not lame. It's not a lame kind of concept in a happy-ish sort of way. It speaks to a peaceful happiness, a satisfaction that only a focus on and a relationship with God brings. And what it is, is a choice, not for the short term, but for permanent satisfaction. But having said all of that, money and possessions still carry such a, a potent and tantalizing allure, though. The youngest ever Euro Millions lottery winner, I don't know if you saw this in the news recently, uh, her name is Jane Park. And she said in an article recently on the 10-year anniversary of her lottery win, she said, I wish I'd never won it. I wouldn't wish it on anyone. The Hollywood actor Jim Carrey famously said, I wish everyone could get rich and famous and get everything they ever dreamed of so that they can see it's not the answer. And the renowned physicist Albert Einstein said, possessions, outward success, publicity, luxury, to me these things have always been contemptible. I believe that a simple and unassuming manner of life is best for everyone best both for the body and the mind. And those are just three examples of people that to so many of us have had it all. You know, they've reached the top in terms of money and or success in their lives and they've had or have so much. But it's not about enough. There will never be enough. It's about contentment. And that's true for us whether we're sitting here this evening and we're multimillionaires. If you are one, come and say hi afterwards. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, but that's true for us whether we've got so, so much or whether we're living a pretty modest, ordinary lifestyle with a pretty standard income. But it's important to say that there's nothing inherently wrong with wealth. I mean, after all, it's God who generously gives us all the resources and money that we have anyway. But we do well to see ourselves as stewards of all of that, not as owners. 
The thing is, when we become more concerned about the gifts rather than the giver, the money over the maker, possessions can become toxic and pointless. An obsession with wealth ruins our relationship with God and with other people. God cares way more about the condition of our hearts than the condition of our wallets or our bank balance. And if you want to store up treasure in heaven, or in other words, live in a way that honors God, then you want to avoid at all costs obsessing about accumulating money and stuff. And you'll want to avoid it because the Bible tells us that there's clearly a difference between what's considered valuable here on earth and what's valuable in God's economy. Because God's economy is totally different to the world's. I think when I was a child, I probably imagined sort of like a whole stack of heavenly gold coins in my heavenly cupboard in my heavenly house. Um, But that's not what it is at all. We can make the most of what God blesses us with now and prepare for an eternity with God later by listening to Jesus and doing what he says so carefully, so attentively. We can adopt an eternal perspective because our eternal perspective affects our earthly priorities. We could choose to focus our lives on temporary wealth, but the treasure offered by God lasts forever. It's a relationship with God that starts here and now and lasts for all time. It's a relationship that shapes and molds our hearts to honor God and to love people, to treat them justly and to forgive endlessly. So how do we do it? How do we guard against becoming preoccupied with possessions and focus on God? How do we turn away from all the temptations and the temporary and prepare for forever with God? So we've got three things. Firstly, uh, examine your heart. Uh, Verse 21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I don't know about you, but it can be so difficult, can't it, to know our own hearts. You know, it can deceive us. We can feel one thing one day and then something else completely different the next. Psalm 139 encourages us to open our hearts to God. Verses 23 and 24 say, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me in the way everlasting. If we allow God to help us examine our hearts by inviting him in, we see things differently. We can ask God to tell us whether we're placing our heart in earthly things or in heavenly things, things that fade or things that last. We can place our trust in God for all that we need and devote our time and our money and our attention to things that will last because our treasure and our hearts can only be in one place. We can't store up treasure on earth and in heaven at the same time because either we're loyal to God or loyal to something else. There's no in-between. Secondly, uh, examine your eyes. I'm not talking about going to Specsavers. 
this is something slightly different. Um, verses 22 and 23 tell us that our eyes are like window panes to our bodies. If the glass that we're looking through is clean, we can see the world as it is. Uh, it's in focus. But if it isn't clean, then the world that we see is distorted. If our eyes, if the way we see things is good and right, it means that we're generous. And when we receive and when we offer God's generosity, we're happier and we're more content. But if we're selfish, it's like there's a, a darkness over the things that we, we think or do. You know, we're either loyal to God, embracing his way of seeing things, or we're not. And we're effectively in darkness. We might say to ourselves, yeah, but I'm kind of generous with, with this bit or, or that part of my life. Or, you know, I'm, I'm a particularly generous friend. Or we might say, oh, you know, well, that, that, that kind of, that's just one area of my life. You know, everything else, in everything else, to everyone else, I'm generous. Just kind of not to them over there. But either we're loyal to God or we're not. Either we're serving and honoring him with all that we are, in all that we do, to all those that we are with, or we're not. Either our focus and our attention are directed towards heaven and eternity and the majesty of Jesus Christ, or they aren't. So when was the last time you gave yourself a spiritual eye check? Thirdly and finally, seek the riches of God, not the riches of the world. No one can serve two masters. Having two masters isn't like sort of, you know, having two jobs. Uh, when I was a teenager, uh, I used to have uh, two part-time jobs in two different shops on the high street where I lived. I was a proper entrepreneur uh, or just desperate for some cash. Um, uh, one was in a hardware shop uh, selling like rubbish bins uh, and tools uh, and the other was in a pharmacy selling medication and deodorant. Um, I think I did quite well, actually. I nearly put on the wrong uniform a couple of times. One was a, like a green jumper and one was a very smart kind of white shirt. Um, and one or two uh, regular customers along the high street, I think, would come in to one or the other shop and go, I think I've seen this person before. I, you know, I'd have a backstory prepared about my twin who just worked down the road uh, but never got to use it. Um, but, you know, by and large, kind of it worked whilst it kind of the two jobs overlapped with one another. But having two masters isn't like that. It's not like, you know, sort of casually having two jobs. Jesus is saying here that having, serving two masters is impossible. Your ancient Israel struggled with idolatry and thought they could worship God and Baal. But to be loyal to one is to despise the other because they stand for and they represent two totally different ways of life. You know, my jobs that I had weren't ways of life. They were just jobs. But this we're talking about is a commitment to a choice with eternal consequences. I think often in our liberal Western culture, we can be fearful, can't we, to, to say what or, or who we truly believe in. We can be tempted to stay quiet or to dilute what we believe and compromise on our standards of morality and behavior. But the truth is, that God is worth it. He's worth being bold for 
He's worth shouting about. He's worth not compromising for. He's worth your full devotion and attention. And he's deeply interested in how your character is shaped this side of eternity so that you can enjoy the treasures and the riches of forever with God. You know, your faith and your Christian perspective might bring criticism and disbelief your way. You might, from time to time, feel anxious or fearful about sharing your faith. And you know, the the church isn't perfect because none of us is perfect. And we live in a society that's so quick often to tear people down, to, to slap a negative label on them and effectively cancel them out of existence. But God will never let you down because he loves and cares for you too much. And so the question is, where does your heart belong? Where is your true treasure? Is it in the things of this world that fade away, the things that you can't take with you? Or is it the things God wants to build into your life for eternity? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the things that last and make a difference in the lives of others. They're the things that you would wish on others. They're not empty promises. They lead to life in all its fullness. And so to finish, what is it that you might need to reset or reprioritize this evening? What might you give up or give out for Jesus? Whatever it is, why not commit to doing that like right now, like this evening? And to encourage you, you can never outgive God. If you think, oh, I kind of put it off, maybe kind of God's not ready, it's a bit busy. You can never outgive God, and you can never outdo his generosity to you because it's endless, it's boundless, it's entirely undeserved. But he has an eternal abundance of treasure for you. And so will you reach out afresh to him tonight? to take hold of it. Amen.